All right, let's begin with the prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for the gift of being a Christian in this time, and we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds and to enlarge our hearts, to live as men, as husbands, as fathers in this difficult time, and to do it heroically. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we're talking about virtue. And it's always important to find our terms at the beginning. Um, before, though, I just want to say it's really good to see all you guys. Because I went over to Wingren. And I walked in. And they let me in. And I and said, oh, hey, welcome. And I came in. They sat me down. and came in with Father Jack there. He's watching football. There's two guys in the room. I'm like, man, the turnout is really bad today. <laughs> I'm like waiting. And one of the new marriages says, are you here for the fatherhood thing? I was like, yeah, it's at Robert Hayes' house. I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> so I called Rob. I said, I'm on my way over. Coming. Um, so it's good to see some bodies in the room. A virtue is a good habit. And a vice is a bad habit. And so often we misunderstand what virtue is and we think it's a good deed or doing something good. Like you help an old lady across the street, that's virtuous. Well, it could be virtuous if you've done it a hundred or a thousand times. So virtue is the repetition. It's the habit. It's the groove of doing the right thing. And a vice is the opposite. It's doing something bad over and over again. Both virtues and vice, the more you do something, the easier it gets. Just like in sports or in art or any craft that you do or a certain process you have at work, the more you do it, the less willpower it takes to accomplish the next time. Same thing with vice. The more often you commit a certain sin, it's easier to do it the next time and even easier the next time. So we set ourselves up in these patterns according to virtue and vice. And that's why as Christians and as Christians in the Catholic tradition, we are so concerned with virtue and virtue ethics because we want to create these patterns to make doing the right thing easier and doing the wrong thing more difficult. Thomas Aquinas in the Summa Theologiae, first part of the second, question five, article one, says, I answer that virtue denotes a certain perfection of power, perfection of power. He goes on to say, now a thing's perfection is considered chiefly in regards to its end, but the end of power is act. Therefore, power is said to be perfect according as it is determinate to its act. So all that means is, is a virtue is this perfection of power towards a goal, towards an end. And what is our goal as men, as Christians? The Pietivic vision, to be with God forever. That's the number one. And then from there comes this hierarchy or this pyramid of goods. The highest point is to be in the Beatific vision with God forever in heaven, saved all the way through purgatory, all the way through this life with God forever. And then below that, we, through the virtue of prudence, orient all the decisions of our life to that goal, which has to do with who you marry and how you act in marriage and how you correspond with your children and who you are at work and who you are when you're alone and literally millions of others decisions. All that's a pyramid going up to that. 
Um, I recently, this past week, I saw this new film, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Anybody else seen it? Just a couple of Okay. Uh, Do you like it? Yeah? Yeah, I, I thought it was really awesome. It's, um, it's a story of this guy named Desmond Doss, and he joins the military because he wants to assist our country. He, he realizes the grave evil of Nazi Germany and of the Japanese and the Pacific, but he's made this vow to God and according to his conscience that he can't touch a weapon. Not just not shoot or be a combatant, but not touch a rifle. And so the film begins, of course, with him being hazed in the military. He's trying to hold on to this conviction and being mocked for his his conscience and for his religious beliefs. Um, but I won't give away the whole film because it's great, and I think every guy in here should see it. Um, maybe older sons. It's pretty. It's one of the most violent war films I've ever seen. They did a fantastic job of showing people just get blown away repeatedly, hundreds and hundreds of bodies in very creative ways with fire and exploding skulls and legs being, I mean, it's, it's incredible. So I wouldn't take it to younger, younger kids should not probably not see this movie. But uh, towards the end, the, the main character, uh, Desmond Doss, they've, come off this ridge they've taken a serious beating from the Japanese and everybody's retreated he's left up there and he has this moment of crisis of faith where he's like talking to God it's amazing that Hollywood like even let this movie out but he's talking to God and he's like what do you want me to do and then he hears a cry in the battlefield and there's bullets whizzing bombs and he just runs out there he has no weapon and he drags the guy and then he's like just one more and he runs in and he drags another guy. Just one more. And historically, this guy, and it's a true story, based on a true story, I think it was like 75 men that he dragged out and rescued. And, you know, some of them were missing limbs. Some of them were shot pretty bad. But most of these guys survived. And So you got to see the movie. I won't tell you anything else. But it's a great example of what virtue looks like. And then his prayer, which I think can be a prayer for all of us, just one more. Just one more. And so it's not a movie where you see, you know, just at the end, there's this moment, like a, a Rudy moment where he does this one big thing, you know. It's just repetition in the face of fear and of danger and of struggle. Just one more. Just one more. Just one more. And it keeps going and going and going. And it is the picture of virtue. Opposite of that with vice, you know, doing a sin one time is bad. You need to confess it. But tomorrow you need to confess it. But it's not a vice until it becomes a pattern in your life. And I think as men, this is a really good thing as we examine our conscience. Is this a vice? Is this a pattern? Or was this a solitary event? Because, and especially you talk with your spiritual director, that'll help you to understand how you can root out sin. Obviously, if there are patterns, if there are vices, that's where your manpower needs to go. That's where your prayer and your penances and your grace and your direction needs to be focused um, because the only way we can get on the path of illumination and then perfection to become a saint is we've got to remove the vices, right? Because the more we commit a certain sin, the easier it becomes. So if we can, if we can get to a point in our spiritual life where the vices are pretty much cleaned out, now we can just kind of play sniper 
you know, and look for the sins that are coming from a distance and get them as opposed to like being, you know, bombarded or flanked by these vices that are getting us. In our time, I wanted to go over the four cardinal virtues. In our Catholic tradition, there are seven virtues of the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. And then there are the four cardinal virtues or the natural virtues. Some people call them the four um, human virtues, but I mean, technically all virtues are being acted in a human way. So the four cardinal virtues are prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. I thought in our time together, we could run through the cardinal virtues because I think the cardinal virtues are more practical in our daily life as husbands, fathers, employers, employees. So the first is prudence. And prudence is making the right decision at the right time with a with the heart of wisdom. And wisdom is being able to see kind of the global bigger picture. And then prudence is being able to focus in on the particular problem uh, or question at hand. And so some advice on how to be prudent. Um, first, in order to be prudent, you have to make a lot of decisions because we're remember repetition. And I think it's, as fathers and as husbands, it's important that we do this time of decision and of prudence away from the family, away from the children, away from your wife. You should not be thinking about, well, what should we do for dinner if you're on a vacation when it's 549 in the car allowed in front of your wife and your kids? Why? It makes you look weak, right? It shows confusion to the family, right? Same thing whether it comes with finances or anything else that you're trying to deliberate and work on. The safe place to do, do it is in the time of prayer and a time of silence. That means that every day you need to have a time of, of mental prayer or, or reflection so you can begin to make the decisions of life. Because, I mean, if you think about it, like you're in a war, like in the Hacksaw Ridge, and all the men are like looking to the officer, what do we do? You know, and he's like, um, hold on, let me just think about this for a second. Should we do this? Could we do that? The men are going to panic and they're going to lose faith in you. So it's important if you're an officer, you are the captain of your family, you are the chief, that you begin to plan out all the things in your life, financial, romantic, um, academic, all those things. Um, and part of this is, you know, some, some men refer to this as holding frame. Um, you know, if you think of a frame on a wall, there's the painting and the picture in it. And the frame, right, is the border. It separates from what you're supposed to be looking at, which is a beautiful painting, as opposed to the wall and everything else. And as, as the man, prudentially, you hold the frame for your family. Everything should be in there. And if it's broken and spilling out, you're going to lose confidence from the people that you're trying to lead. And this applies to business as well. So you should be saying things like, I've got it handled. I'll handle it. Not things like, I'm not sure right now. I'm really confused. I'm trying to figure it out, right? You should be not only being prudent, but expressing prudence to the family. Also, prudence is not allowing your emotions or your passions affect your decision-making process. This is why it's important that when we make these life decisions, 
we do them in a time of recollection and of prayer and not in the moment. Because in the moment, you might be angry, you might be lustful, you might be depressed. So again, there's these times when we pull back from life, hopefully every day, just moments, and make these decisions. I personally just keep a little black book with a pen inside of it. And in the mornings, I just write these things down, like things that need to be done or things that I need to think about, or maybe I haven't solved it yet, but I need to find a solution to this problem. Um, and that way, as the day unfolds, I'm not letting my fatigue or my anger or my confusion about that be expressed in making bad decisions. Um, you are the oak, your family, your work, your wife, your friends, they are like the weather. They are like the storm, the rain, the cool breeze, whatever it is, you're the oak. And part of being a prudent man is expressing, not by saying, I'm the oak, I keep things in charge here. Saying, you know, it's always, you know, act a non fair, but like you do things with your actions, and that's what brings about confidence. You don't have to say, I'm the oak, I'm the awesome guy. You are the oak, you are the awesome guy. Um, when it comes to planning things, this is something as, as men we can really fall down on. You know, it could be um, holidays. We've got one coming up. Vacations, dates with your wife. Let nothing, none of the, the, the details um, become a surprise or fall entirely on your wife or on your children. That means planning meals. If you're, if you're taking everybody out for a day, in your morning, in your prayer, in your recollection, what's the food situation? Are we packing lunches? Is there a place to eat there? What's our pullout plan if someone melts down, you know, like younger kids? Um, what's the situation with naps? Where's parking? All of these things. There's nothing worse. All these guys know this. There's nothing worse than being with your family and things going totally wrong and your wife just looking at you like, what next? And you got nothing, right? <laughs> right? So part of, being, part of being a prudent man, part of having this virtue is repeatedly asking yourself, how do I plan this? What can go wrong? How do I fix it? It's not that hard to do. It's just being the man who actually says, I'm going to be prudent and I am going to think these things through. Um, that doesn't mean you can't receive input or look to her or ask her advice. I think all of us men realize the, the benefit of of getting her input and asking her and, and going through plans with her. But I think it's important as men that we never let it sound like or be like Adam looking to Eve, like, I don't know, go for it. As men, I think that's not a prudent situation. Again, you're the oak. Also, I think all of us men have experienced in these situations our wives gauging our leadership in these moments they're asking can i relax and trust you do you have this or do i need to nag you to find out and as i was reflecting on this virtue i was thinking you know i wonder if i kind of think it is i wonder if nagging is the alarm of you as a man lacking in your wife is always asking, what about this? And what about that? Are you going to do this? Maybe that's the alarm going off that you haven't been prudential. 
you haven't been repeatedly proving to her, I'll handle this. I've got this. It's taken care of. I thought of that. It's, it's okay. Don't worry. I've got that covered. Yes, I got jumper cables already in the car. Whatever it is, right? When your wife sees that with actions over and over and over, she can just <clears throat> relax and be feminine and be your wife. But if everything's falling apart, she's going to have to go into that nag mode, which is her way of saying, do you have this? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. What about this? What about that? And it drives us crazy, right? It drives us mad. Um, also, just one last thing. Never with your children or with your wife and probably even with, with business as well. Never say, I told you so when you made a prudential decision and someone didn't follow it. The actions speak for it. And I think the, the take home point with prudence is your actions over time, because they are repeatable, right? It is a habit. They speak very loudly and people know and people see it. And so you don't always have to say, look, I was the prudent one. I made it right and you did it wrong. Just own it and keep going and keep doing prudential things. People will see it. People will figure it out. Next one's justice. And justice is defined as giving each person their due. Now, Thomas Aquinas quickly points out that the person that we have our greatest due toward is God. God is the one who receives all of our gratitude, all of our worship, all of um, our thoughts, our joy, our thanksgiving. Everything goes to God, and therefore religion is an act of justice. But then he also talks about you know patriotism and what we owe to our country, and then it moves down to our interpersonal relationships. And of course, as husbands and as fathers, this relates to our wife and to our children. And in particular, as we've been married, you know, some, some guys in here I know have been married for maybe less than five years, and probably men in here have been married 20, 25 years or more. The longer we're married, I think, the less we appreciate what is due. We often think what's due to us. We think, well, I'd like to have sex more, I'd like to have more passion, or I'd I'd like to have my wife respect me or I'd like my kids to say thank you, right? So we're thinking like, this is all due to me and why am I not getting it? But then we sometimes forget, just as other people are forgetting to give their due to us, we're also forgetting what we owe them by virtue of marital vows and by being fathers, parents. And so with our wives... It's an important thing for us to repeatedly ask, am I giving her what is her due? Am I giving her my best love? Am I saying or grabbing her and looking at her and saying, I love you? Or just, I love you too? On to the next thing. Are you expressing the passion there? Um, Are you giving her your best in your physicality? Have you let your body go? You know, as a lover, she probably doesn't want a big, fat, ugly slob as a husband, just like you don't wouldn't want a, you know, big, you know, gigantic gordita, right? 
So how do we present our best to her, right? Do we exercise? Do we groom? Do we present ourselves as someone attractive to her? That's important. That's a do. Um, what about our finances? Are we providing in a way so that she can take care of the home, take care of our children, so that she can feel pretty and feel appreciated? And sometimes for us men, that's always a struggle because we are trying so hard and sometimes we do have these setbacks. Um, but is there a way maybe that we could start a business, um, aim for a promotion in the next year or two, look for opportunities to grow and expand in that way um, to help her out? Um, also, is there a way that we can in our, our personal lives, you know, with dates, um, with times of affection, um, is it possible if you have a larger family to provide some help in the kitchen or maybe a housekeeper once a week or every other week to do some hard cleaning um, to help her and in her vocation as well? And then you also owe her your best decisions in your planning, and that loops us back up to prudence. The next one is fortitude, and fortitude is strength. And this is something as men that I think as we grow older, if, if we're seeking a, a, a plan of virtue, does become more natural because we have overcome adversity. We've seen struggles. We've had economic setbacks. Maybe we had setbacks in our health and our family. And, and those things, if they're embraced with a spirit of love and of faith and, and uniting with the cross, uh, those can forge an inner core, a strengthening of the heart. Um, that is that secret place where you and Jesus talk. Um, it's no matter what's going around you, there's a certain strength inside of you that is held up by Christ. It's held up by the cross. And that's something that cannot easily be removed because it's been planted there through the repetition of virtue. In order to get there, I think as men, we need to do an exercise that the Stoics often did, and that is to think about the worst. I'm an optimist. I always think that we should plan for the best. But I think that when it comes to fortitude, when it comes to battle and struggle, it is important to think about, well, what if the crappiest thing happened? And so in quiet, in solitude, in recollection, in prayer, we need to ask ourselves hard questions like, what if I lost my job? What if I completely lost my health? I lost my limbs or I lost, you know, like I'm mainly a writer. What if I lost my hands? And to think about that and to think through it. What if I lost my wife? What if she died? What if my wife decided to divorce me? What if I lost my children? What if I lost my public reputation? Would I be strong enough? Would I have faith? Would I have the tools to overcome and to keep going? Like these really hard questions. What if everything I've worked for to build, what if this company went bankrupt or this apostolate that I spent so much time on went away? All my efforts went to nothing. How would I move on? And to actually deal with those questions, not just like rhetorically like we're at right now, but to like think through it, that brings a inner strength and a confidence in our lives that we need as men. That's what they do in battle. You think about what, what's the worst my enemy could do to me? 
what's the worst, like what's the greatest hell he could bring against me? And if that happened, what would I do? Yeah, Paul. The question is, uh, one of my favorite cliches is a coward dies a thousand deaths and the heroic man only has one. So how do you sort of balance out planning for problems and not obsessing over things that may never happen? Yeah, that's a good question. Like we don't want to fall in like a pessimistic downward spiral. Um, I think this has to be done in prayer. Because I mean, you're not saying like, if my wife died, what would I do? And then like, it has to be something in the context of like a conversation with Christ. Like, where would we go from here? And so there's power in that. And I think also spiritual direction is really important too. Um, Because I guess this could be a a compulsion where every day you think, okay, now is the new problem. Um, I, I think the goal of this exercise is to say, there, there will be and there can be a solution. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And no matter how bad it gets or got, I'd find a way with God's help. I'd get there. Um, yeah, good. Yeah, we don't want to be uh, pessimistic. And then um, along with that is the realization that we don't necessarily need um, other people to validate who we are as men with fortitude. You don't need, at the end of the day, your boss to pat you on the back, although it feels really good, say you did a great job on that project on behalf of the company, thank you. That's what we all really want to experience. But as we develop in the virtue of fortitude, we can experience uh, a true affirmation knowing just in our hearts, I did a great job, and I did it for the Lord, and it worked out great. Thank you, God. Same goes with, with family, with marriage. I mean, in my, I, mean, I have a great wife and a great family, but, you know, so often I want to hear more affirmation. Like, wow, Dad, you did really good. That was an awesome vacation, you know. Or my wife would say, that was, you planned out an amazing date. That was so fun. And sometimes you hear it, and sometimes you don't hear it. Or if you hear it, you don't hear it enough. You want to keep hearing it. And I think part of fortitude is just having the strength to not need the exterior affirmation from other people and cultivating that kind of fortitude. The last one's temperance. Temperance is living in the mean, um, not going too far to one extreme. And for us men, it often translates into saying no to things and saying no over and over. And we live in a time with the internet and with supermarkets and where we live in America and in this part of the country, everything is so easily accessible to us. Amazing food, amazing wine, amazing beers, um, so much luxury, and that can poison us and that can hurt us. So, you know, saying no to meat on a Friday, it's a good thing. You have to do it. I mean, the church has the rules on that about rules of penance saying no to meat it's awesome you know saying no to alcohol sometimes yes tobacco saying no to sleep sometimes social media sugar snacks little sacrifices uh, that you know we talk about in the work all the time like you know no cream or sugar in your coffee sometimes or maybe not putting salt on a dish just saying no to yourself gives you great freedom discipline equals Because you can say, I can live without that, and I can still be happy.
I could still enjoy my coffee if there was nothing in it because I'm enjoying the coffee. <clears throat> or I could still enjoy the salad without the salt on it. There's great discipline in that. There's freedom in that. So we need to say no to the emotions. Control the emotions. Not that emotions are bad. Thomas Aquinas said passions are good. Christ experienced the 11 passions perfectly. His reason was perfectly over his passion. So when he drew out, uh, drove out the, uh, the money collectors and flipped over the tables, his passions were acting perfectly in that moment. That's what we need to be. We need to be passionate men. But we need to also know that when the emotions or the passions are out of control, we can pull the reins on those horses and say, no, it stops here. We're not going off the cliff. You know, so if you're angry in an inordinate way, no. If you're lustful, no. You're moving into a depression or despair, no. Um, you want to brag about something and talk about how great you are at something, no. You're listening to a friend and he's talking about how awesome his vacation is or his family is and you're getting jealous or envious, you just say no to that passion. You're worried about money. How are we going to make ends meet? How are we going to do Christmas this year? No, I'm not going to worry about it. And in our, you know, in our own um, taking care of ourselves with our food, you know, am I going to skip, skip this workout? No. I'm going to have the discipline. I'm going to do it. So these are the four virtues. And I'd like to leave you with a challenge for each one of those. So four practical applications. You could do one. Uh, or you can try to go for all four. For prudence, the application would be to stay more silent. Speak less, make decisions more. You know, maybe when you're around um, at work with employees or with your family or with your wife, say less, perform more. Load the dishwasher and walk out of the room. Don't say, hey, honey, I loaded the dishwasher for you. <laughs> Load the dishwasher, walk out of the room. She'll see it, right? Okay, so that's prudence. Justice, give your wife a better version of yourself. Give her what's due to her. You may think, well, she did, she's not due to that. She's not been very nice lately. <laughs> give her something that she would be attractive to. You know, when you get out of the shower tomorrow morning, stand in front of the mirror and say, would a woman be attracted to this? <laughs> what can I do? You know, do I need to shade? I need to cut the hairs out of my nose and my ears. Do I need to go start running, start lifting? Do I need to eat less? How, how can I give, my, give a better version of myself to my wife? Am I interesting? Am I, am I that guy that she fell in love with or I become an older, less interesting version of who I once was? So give her something. That might actually might take, take some months, maybe some years. Uh, third one, fortitude. Choose something to say no to. You know, and I, we have Advent coming up. We kind of, as Catholics, know that Advent's penitential. Sometimes the only penitential thing about Advent is the purple vestments, you know, but maybe we can do a mini Lent, you know, during Advent, maybe we can say no to something. <clears throat> Again, you don't have to say, hey, whole family, I'm giving up beer for Advent or whatever it is. You just give it up. 
someone asks you, you can tell them, but just give it up. Be quiet about it. Um, or maybe add something, you know, maybe say, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to start running three or four times a week doing cardio. Or, hey, I'm going to go lift three or four times a week. I'm going to take care of my body, temple of the spirit. And then fourth, temperance. Um, I already did that one. Give up something. Um, you know, social media, salt, alcohol, um, whatever it is. And remember, it's not just one time that makes a virtue. It's the repetition. It's the 100th or the 1,000th or the 10,000th time that you've done something. Now you're becoming a virtuous man. Thanks, guys.